welcome to Battle of the Sexes. I'm Ann Ball of AnnBall.com, and I'm here with Tony Farmer of FullArmorCoaching.com. This is an adult conversation from a male and female perspective about issues that impact us personally, professionally, and some, some societal norms that we want to challenge. Hey, Tony, how you doing? I'm doing fantastic, and always glad to talk to you, always glad to hear from you, always glad to see you. Yay! The same as same for you. <laughs> so I wanted to talk about love this week, and okay. let's see how we do on our, our definition, what we expect from love, what, you know, who do we love, and who, who is that most important person in our lives? Okay. So why don't you give me your thoughts on that? The definition, who do we love and who, we, who do we love most? Yeah. So uh, when I think about love, um, only because I have a very spiritual background, I always think about sacrifice. I always think about um, uh, selflessness. I think about um, being ascetic. In other words, um, putting somebody else um, uh, somebody else's emotions, somebody else's thoughts, somebody else's feelings, uh, somebody else's aspirations, um, and elevating that to a level where that person or those people uh, really feel a genuine uh, empathy uh, from me regarding whatever it is that, that they are aspiring to do in their lives. So, uh, and, and again, just from the background, there's several types of love. There's ethos, there's philios, and then there's eros. So uh, that love can shift uh, depending on, you know, who um, the love is being directed to. And I, I just, I just, I think of uh, uh, bonding. I think of, uh, I always think of, I used to think of love like this. If I can think about a person and that person not be in my presence, and I uh, notice a smile on my face, and I'm like, oh, you know what? <laughs> that person, you know, is pretty special. And so, in terms of people that I love, um, I grew up an only child. Um, my father's been married a couple of times, so I, I have siblings now. Um, but I, you know, in my years, it was just me. I am very specific and particular about uh, people that I call friend. And I can genuinely say that I love my friends dearly. Um, they know that. I, t I tell them all the time. Um, I love, of course, my children and my wife. Uh, I love them dearly. And I tell them that all the time. And I try to show that to them all the time. And then um, I have to, I have learned uh, to love myself. Okay, what is your well, definition and who do you love? Well, or actually, love? I actually want to get back to you. What were those three? I heard Eros. I heard... Philios. Go ahead, and, go ahead and define those. Uh, philios is uh, brotherly love. Okay. You know, so I, I, I love, I have good friends of mine who are like brothers to me, and uh, it's a very kind of uh, uh, camaraderie-based uh, love. And then there's uh, Eros, and that <laughs> Eros is uh, the strong physical attraction uh, that's rooted in your deep uh, care for somebody. Mm -hmm. And then, um, it's one I forgot. So there's Arias, Filios, and uh, there's, there's a third one. Um, and it, it makes me think uh, a love of um, 
all things uh, and, and, and agape uh, and all fulfilling and all encompassing and an unconditional love. That's the word I was looking for, unconditional. There you go. Yeah, that's what, when I try it, when I think about love, I think about, okay, I've got the love of my friends. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, a lot of times that's really conditional. Then <laughs> it really is. Um, and that's not always how we want to see it. Sometimes we're relying on a friend and that's, you know, that friend isn't necessarily in it for us. They may not feel that, that same, of un- same unconditional spirit that, that, we feel so that's something we need to be careful of um my then there's of course my unconditional love for my family like i have my daughter right next to me i also think about that for for me personally it needs to be something that i'm i'm giving and that i'm putting forward mm-hmm. because that's really how it's going to come back to me um i've learned like you mentioned i've learned how to love myself which i did not do that for years and years and years and years and years everybody else came first i put myself last and now that i've learned to love myself mm-hmm. and that's really helped me learn who i am and i've been able to overcome a lot of th- a lot of challenges and unhealthy behaviors from my past since I learned to love and care about myself and take care of me. And I've learned how to kind of analyze myself from outside looking in. And it's funny how when you recognize the unhealthy behaviors, the ability you then have to change them, mm-hmm. which I, I got through counseling. And as a coach, I guide my clients into, into what how they feel about themselves. I, before we started recording, Tony, I mentioned my client who, who kept mentioning guilt in her life and guilt since she was a child and guilt about this and guilt about that. And I was just like, well, what does guilt look like to you? Let's Mm -hmm. say who is guilt. And it was just a good thing for her to kind of give guilt um, a personality and then she could just say, guilt, I don't need you anymore. You can go away now. And I know I said that this is going to be about love, but that's part of her being able to love herself and forgive herself. She's tried to forgive herself. She's tried to forgive um, the past, but she hasn't yet. And I'm hoping that one little tool will at least get her on her way. So I think you, I think you set on the right path. And um, I think it's perfectly normal to link um, guilt and love because um, I'm reading a book um, by Stephen Pressfield called The Warrior Ethos. And one of the things that he mentions is those self-governing uh, elements, right, mm-hmm. that, that we use to pattern our lives. And three that he highlighted were guilt, shame, and love. Yeah. Why act and do things out of guilt? Because I'm afraid that some entity that I cannot see will curse me and, and bring down, you know, fire and brimstone on my head if I don't do everything perfect. Is it shame? Um, do I operate from shame in that um, if I don't fulfill the expectations of others, uh, people who are watching me, so it's a very external thing, people are watching me. And if I don't fulfill my particular uh, 
uh, the, the roles and responsibility that have been, have been assigned to me, what kind of shame will I feel, and how people use that uh, sometimes as a motivator or a demotivator. But then there's love. And at the end of the day, uh, it was interesting how he was describing the warrior relationship uh, from a love perspective. And, and he was using Alexander the Great and the Spartans, um, you know, from the Greek context, mm -hmm. um, those people who were really bred to be warriors. And at the end of the day, it's, it's the love that they have for each other. It's the, it's the love that was cultivated in their trench-like experiences. And so then it became, well, I don't do this because I feel guilt. I don't do it because I'm ashamed. I, get, I put myself in harm's way because I need to protect my brother. I need to protect my tribe. I need to protect my king and so forth, and, uh, my family and the like. So um, in a lot of um, uh, this is strong in the military culture, you know, that camaraderie that's built out of being in trench-like experiences. And I was just about to ask you that too. I was like, now, and I think this is something, this is what military, it happens with military. And then when they get home, they lose that brotherhood. Absolutely right. Because they don't feel PTSD when they're in the field. They feel it when they come home. Absolutely right. Yeah. It's, it's a tough transition. Um, I, I once heard... Uh, Hall of Fame football player uh, say, so he's, you know, well past his prime. He's retired for many years. <laughs> and he said, if I could just put my hands under the butt of the center just one more time, <laughs> if I could just be uh, in that huddle where I'm looking up at men who have committed themselves, worked hard, been in the weight room, practiced uh, to protect me and um, me to to make them look good and 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 to perform in my my uh, highest uh, capability to to the pinnacle of my abilities to uh, help the team win. If I could do that one more time, and you'd be amazed uh, to your point, a lot of the folks that come home from war, uh, those men and women who uh, volunteer to put themselves in harm's way for our freedoms. They, come back and they don't get that in the in their civilian life. So it's it's it can be a very difficult transition for them. Yeah, I I I just can't imagine what they put themselves through and and the horrors that they've seen. But at the same time, I I can appreciate the brotherhood that they did have in the field. And it would be great if we were able to kind of keep that brotherhood going once they come home so that these guys have somebody to connect to. And, and uh, do you think that's any better now with like Facebook and all the different social media that we have now? <laughs> um, okay, so I hope, one of my, one of my uh, nervous points about doing a podcast and, and being very public is to uh, mention, uh, to publicly state one of my opinions and thoughts. Uh, that may uh, get railed against, but here we go. I'm a transparent person. So I think a lot of the social media has uh, caused uh, distance, right? Yeah. There's a lot less uh, social interaction. There's a lot less of a um, effort to be in somebody's presence when you can send a, a picture, hey, I visited this place and I've done this and I'm gonna take you along with me for the ride uh, via the pictures that I post online. Um, and the reality is most people only post uh, the best versions of themselves. 
This is true. So my preference would be um, to sit down with a person, have lunch, have dinner, um, look them in the eye and really get a sense of, you know, how are you doing? What have you been through? How can I help you through uh, some of the challenges you might be experiencing in life? And oh, by the way, here's some of the things I'm going through and maybe you can help me. Uh, you know, I, I just, I just get nervous about the level of um, social capital uh, that we lose because of social media. Well, that's true. I hope, I mean, that, hope that didn't get us in trouble too much. <laughs> not at all. I mean, I, social media has been such a big thing and I know this wasn't on the agenda for this evening, but I think I'm glad we're talking about it. Um, social media is, I mean, in some ways it's amazing because it's allowed me to create friendships with people like across the oceans and, you know, different continents and, and di completely, you know, on the, on the other side of the earth, I have friends in Australia <laughs> because of social media and, you know, it's, it, so it's pretty amazing from that standpoint, but at the same time, if, if your life is all about you know, that next like on your Facebook page or that next share or whatever it is you're looking for. If you're looking for significance out of social media, it's the wrong place to look for it because significance should come from within yourself. And I'm going to pull this back to love. You got to love yourself so that you can feel some of that significance. That's one of our, that's one of our primal tribal needs that, it, that we have, that we feel needed and wanted in our lives by the people we love. And there's a, there's a tapestry that's weaved there, right? Between love and acceptance. Yes. Um, and if, if we feel accepted by others, then that validates somehow that um, they love us or they have an affection for us. Yep. And you mentioned, uh, you know, you post something and you get a certain amount of likes. And so, uh, it's interesting um, to see what uh, really touches the hearts and imaginations of people. Yeah. Uh, sometimes, you know, I'll post something that I think is completely benign, and uh, um, I'll get, you know, 80, <laughs> 90 likes, and I'm going, wow, I, I didn't think. And then other times, I, I have a very poignant moment. And, you know, I, I've written something that I really think is going to be beneficial to helping people uh, maybe get through some of the challenges of life and, and nothing. So, um, but there because is a people level. People don't want to face vulnerability. Sorry, I, talk, yeah. I spoke over you. Go ahead. Yeah, it's, there is a level of emotional intelligence that you have to maintain to say, you know, if, if nobody posts a like, then, you know, it, it's not the end of my world. <laughs> right, right. So um, it's, it's a shame that you don't see that, but I'm sure it's, it's, you're, I'm sure you're hitting home with some people because again, that, that if it's something that you think will help somebody, it also means, you know, if somebody likes it, it's also displaying their vulnerability. And if they're not prepared to address that, yeah. it's, it, it, they're not ready for it. It's just not going to help them. But, which is a shame because I mean, when you are able to share your vulnerability, you have complete power. Yeah. You know, it, it, it's, it makes you human. It, it, I don't want to say it gives you complete power, but it gives you complete power ownership of yourself is what I'm, is what I'm saying here. Mm -hmm. So that I agree with that. Yeah. Go hard in. 
wholeheartedly. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Battle of the Sexes. We are truly grateful that you've taken out the time to listen to us. We hope that there was something said or a topic discussed that helps you in your life or your relationships, helps you to get through a challenge that you're currently experiencing. And we hope that you dial in again. If you have questions or comments, please feel free to email Tony or I. You can reach Tony at tfarmer292 at gmail.com or myself, Ann, at annball.com. Thanks again.